0: is this 42 42 yes sir wow so episode 42 of fried squirms i'm tyler i'm danny and we're here to talk about well normally horror movies but this to be our last week of the hannibal tv series yes until we hopefully get season four in the future from what i understand that could be a possibility hopefully season four this is season three we have 2 weeks of this shit beforehand <laughs> if you need to get caught up. We're going to be I mean obviously we got to be going deep cuts now like the story's just been building on itself so Yeah,
1: there's it'd be hard to skirt around the last 2 seasons without getting heavily involved with the season 2.
0: Yeah, horror television. I'd say this one gets the closest to almost being horror. I would agree with that. Like we've been saying anyway, Hannibal's a horror character even if the show's mostly a thriller. Although season 3 pretty much drops procedural from the title completely this show started out a procedural now it's like long form narrative
1: i think we kind of described it it felt like it was two of the movies kind of condensed into one season so yeah the procedurals dropped super intense throughout the entire season super intense
0: thriller let's get into the guts and bolts (laughs) yeah dude, i'm ready mostly a refresher at this point but it's a guts and bolts awesome guts and bolts all right, Guts and Bolts season three,
1: Hannibal TV yeah. show, NBC. And that still blows my mind that this was an NBC show. Wow. Yeah.
0: The further we get into the seasons, like that first season blows me away just because of the amount of gore. How did they get away with this on TV? It just continues all the way throughout. Wow. Doesn't cease. How? Anyway, okay. So <laughs> we've said a lot of names these past couple episodes. We have. A lot of them can be mentioned again.
1: Yeah, if you really want to hear us blow attempts. a couple of these names, go back to season one episode. Oh my gosh. We mentioned last week as well how much we talked about Mads Mikkelsen, Hugh Dancy, and specifically Volhalla Rising and King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Those two awesome in this. Brian Fuller, it's like creator showrunner, for show. creator. All of this is still based on Thomas Harris's Red Dragon there's a couple names I'll mention this week because there was a few different directors. I got their episodes, which ones they directed. And there's a couple of interesting shows and movies that all these gentlemen have done.
0: Well, I know who one director that I want to bring up. Oh, oh yeah. Because I'm super about. excited. I think it was episode four or five was directed. I might be getting the number wrong. It's okay. I've got but that there. He only directed one episode of the season, but Neil Marshall directed... Neil Marshall is very notable for having also directed the Blackwater episode of Game of Thrones. (laughs) However, he also did Dog Soldiers. He certainly did. Great movie that you watched very recently. Yeah, that
1: was one I've just included into my rotation, yeah.
0: And going a little bit more into the pop culture realm in which I mostly reside. like I sit here and I do a horror podcast every week. But most of the time in my free time, I'm not watching horror movies. I'm reading comic books. Yeah. And he's going to be doing the new Hellboy movie.
1: He certainly is,
0: which is really cool. And he did another one of my, a movie that I absolutely love because it is fucking
1: insane. And that's Doomsday. Yeah, he's responsible for that. He's also responsible for another horror film, The Descent. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, of course. Neil Marshall
0: did The Descent. While we're on a horror movie podcast, we should probably mention The Descent was done by Neil Marshall. <laughs> uh, the
1: episode that Neil is responsible for is Episode 8, and that particular episode I've actually got written down as The Great Red Dragon. So that's actually our introduction to a main character in the second half of the season. For
0: some reason, I thought he did one of the Potsy episodes. but No,
1: he did uh, the very first Red Dragon episode.
0: Maybe I got done watching up the shit going down, then I saw the name and I looked it up, and that's why it was still in my head. That's no problem. We do have Vincenzo Natali,
1: oh, responsible he's in, for a lot of these. But He also directed yes. a
0: couple episodes of the Constantine TV show uh, that really also cool. failed on network television, unfortunately, because it couldn't bring in those kind of numbers. Yeah. But it is about to get an animated series that they just dropped a trailer for, and it looks dope. So, That's pretty awesome. the show is actually really good. You can watch it on the CW seed. I've actually been rewatching it at different times because all the Hellblazer I've read. And I mean, my love of him goes back into my love for Sandman, which I've talked about in the past, and it all interconnects. But like I said, he crosses
1: over. He's awesome. He did an episode, but I want to hear about these others. No <laughs> worries. <laughs> these are two guys I'll mention here in just a moment. The first one is Vincenzo Natale. He's responsible for episodes one through three and episode six, mostly centered around Italy. Mm -hmm. Mark Yopst is responsible for episode four. I wrote his name down because we didn't introduce him last week. Vincenzo we talked about last week. But uh, Mark is responsible for episodes for the show Hemlock Grove, Luke Cage, and Daredevil. Oh. Yeah, so he does a lot of television work. He hasn't done many episodes, but he usually drops an episode for And Luke Cage and Daredevil
0: are fucking amazing. Yeah,
1: so... People might Even be if familiar you're not into
0: comic books, that shit's dope. So.
1: Here's a name I, I definitely wanted to mention. Because he has worked on several films, either as a DP, which I think he's mostly a DP for Guillermo de Toro. Because he helped do Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim, and Hellboy. But this gentleman is Guillermo Navarro. Mm. And he's responsible for episodes 5, 10, and 12 in this last season. Okay. Adam Kane does Episode 7. He's also worked on Daredevil, I believe the movie. He's the director of the movie Daredevil, The Boondocks, and he's responsible for being a producer and a director of American Gods. Wait, like the Ben Affleck Daredevil? I'm pretty sure of it, That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> John Dahl is responsible for Episode 9. John Dahl actually ties back into us because he's from Billings, Montana. Oh, shit. Yeah, and... 406 Yeah, 406. Uh he's done work on the show Ray Donovan. He's uh directed the movie Joyride and the movie Rounders.
0: Oh fuck, Joyride was a good movie. It was really good. Joyride was a good. Yeah, fuck Paul, La- dude. On. You know, to be completely honest, it blows me away how many Paul Walker fans there still are. I always thought he was a cool guy, like, liked his movies and stuff, but then like when he died, it's like it became like a cult of Paul Walker. It like was. I see people still like posting up Paul Walker memes like every other day. And they're like, yeah, we miss you, bro. And I'm like,
1: what the fuck? Man, The <laughs> um,
0: those movies are huge, dude. Dude, it, it's insane. I don't get it.
1: Yeah, but the, the Fast and the Furious, man.
0: But whatever, like I'm not, I guess I'm not against it either. No, I just...
1: just, I don't understand. Jesus, I don't understand. It happens, man. <laughs> The one last director is Michael Reimer. He's done several episodes in the past, but he's responsible for the 11th in our final episode, number 13, for mm. this season. Cinematographers is still James Hawkinson and Michael Marshall. Editors are still Michael Doherty, Stephen Phillipson, and Bill, Ben Wilkinson. Music still conducted by Brian Reitzel. There's a song at the end where he also composed with Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees. Right. I noticed that. Yeah. So before I knew that, I, I remember hearing it. And I was like, that sounds a lot like Susie. hmm Sure enough. Our food stylist, I did want to introduce two names because they're heavily influenced in the show. And I felt like we'd be a little remiss if we don't mention them. But Janice Poon is the food stylist. So she coordinates what all these dishes should look, should look like, although Mads Mickelson is you know, actually doing the slicing and dicing. Mm-hmm. Our costume design was done by Christopher Hargaden, so he's responsible for most of the wardrobe and costumes on this show. Special effects team are still Industrial Pixel FX, Rocket Science, and Smoke and Mirrors. There was another team I did write down because they were responsible for the main title of the show. Oh, okay, yeah. And that's Momoko. So that's. A, I
0: love the main title for the really show. Cool, it's very brief, but yeah. it's so fucking cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. And production teams and distributors are all the same. Reference seasons one and two for those names. Jesus, yeah. And the release date for this show, it ran from June 4th, 2015, all the way through August twenty nine of uh, 2015, and we do have a tagline, because I love them, Savor the Hunt. Mm, okay, sure. We can work with that we've already mentioned Matt's Mickelson and Hugh Dancy I
0: mean that's the thing I don't think I could come up with a better one but somehow that seems underwhelming for this season it kind of does it does
1: considering all the characters involved with this
0: season it almost implicates a more active hunt than what's actually going on people basically know where each other are during lots of times of this season
1: yeah there's and it's all
0: about figuring out the web of each other I don't it's this show, dude. I swear this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're right though, man. It's just a big web of deception. We get Lawrence Don't Call Me Larry. Don't bring up Montana Fishburne. As Jack Crawford, he's returning.
0: Four oh six.
1: This is the name I was talking about where I've been uh <laughs> Yeah, four oh six. This is the name that we have been mispronouncing, although it's no fault of our own because of the way it's spelt. But she goes by Caroline DeVernis, not Caroline. Oh, mine. okay. But she's still Alana Bloom. Gillian Anderson is still Bedelia DeMaurier. Rola Esparza. Frederick Chilton. There's a few names I want to bring up because these are new characters. We still get some of our old forensics teams. Scott Thompson. Aaron Abrams. They return. Others. But uh, there was a different person who played Mason Verger this season. It wasn't Michael Pitt. He's actually a guy named Joe Anderson. And people might have seen him in the movie Across the Universe or the movie The Crazies.
0: I'm not going to lie, I didn't realize it wasn't Michael Pitt.
1: I didn't know that either until I was like, hold on, this guy sounds a little off, and he seemed a little more skinny. And I looked it up, and I was like, oh, sure enough, there is. And I think it was because uh, Michael Pitt was doing a different project at the time. That's another reason why we didn't get to see Anna Chomsky after season two. Oh, okay. Because yeah. she works on the show Veep for HBO, mm-hmm. and it conflicted with her schedule. Right. Because I was like, what the fuck? Just She just kind of dropped off the show. That's why. Right. So Joey Anderson plays Mason Verger. There's uh, Tao Okamoto. She plays Chiyo as a new character on the show. And Thorin Oakenshield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Jesus, yeah. Thorin Oakenshield as the Tooth Fairy.
1: Yeah, man. You know. I
0: really wanted to say that. He, Richard Armitage yeah, Richard as Armitage. Francis Dollarhide.
1: We just watched a show. An animated show actually on netflix that he's a part of he
0: was trevor right yeah, in castlevania oh, sure is. did we bring up no, we talked a about on here, real right? briefly we hit that right about the end of our run on vampires castlevania is a great it's premise really for good. the show it's that's great. going to come up it really is <laughs> it's all prequel yeah. yeah i mean not that it's not good it's a really good story it just wraps up really quickly and by the end of it you realize That it's just a setup. That's literally all the four episodes that it is are pure setup.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's just like a a prequel. But it's great. Yeah, but you're right. We get Richard Amitage as Francis Dollar High. Nina Arrianda, she plays Molly Graham, which is a new character on the show in the second half of the season. Right. Rutina Wesley, she plays Reba McLean. We get a brief introduction, very brief, to Zachary Quinto. Oh, yeah. Very quick.
0: He's in the show for
1: all of, like, two oh, minutes. Two minutes, maybe, yeah. <laughs> but he's on here. Ronaldo Rocco plays Soliato. Fortunato Serlino plays Ronaldo Pazzi. Ooh, Pazzi. Yeah, yeah, there's another guy. I'll look his name up a little bit later on, but he's kind of a, a, the main henchman for Mason Verger on the show. I did want to bring him oh, up. Oh, okay. I just didn't write his name down. That's my fault. I'll bring him up once we get around where that's at. But that kind of rounds out the cast. I, right? I
0: kind of liked him.
1: Yeah, I mean, Catherine Isabel, Isabelle, she's back as Margot.
0: We'll get into this here in a sec. Yeah, that's about everybody in the cast, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what I've got for my notes. I know it was kind of condensed.
0: But oh, shit, we didn't we give are. a... So what's the synopsis for this synopsis season? Synopsis
1: for this season? First
0: off, I mean, this season is going to make no sense if you haven't been watching. Yeah, you. it's imperative well, that you watch... I mean, it'll make sense, but you're not going to get it as... Detailed on, and, you won't understand how what these characters already mean to each other, and the the weight behind some of the dialogue and some of the the imagery and actions.
1: Essentially, you've missed. This is a very episodes. weighty show. Yeah, yeah,
0: there's everything is.
1: It's every, it everything's like hooked together somehow. Yet. Yeah,
0: their words are all very crafted, depended on on what each other had already been doing, and sometimes it's like subtle accusations of things and. But you have to have that history to understand the accusations that are being made, that sort of thing. So so a synopsis is, is that this season is two different shows.
1: Yeah, it gets split in half.
0: The first one concerning the hunt and capture of Hannibal. Hannibal right?
1: And then the second season... The second one... Obviously the second part.
0: The second part. part being more of an adaptation. Even though all of this to this point has been inspired by Red Dragon the last five five episodes
1: yeah eight through 13 so five six episodes
0: is finally adapting the actual novel red dragon some changes i mean changes at this point have to be made because of how deep they've gone into these characters but which is not there in red dragon by the way we might have just finished these seasons for the show i just finished rereading the book this morning too. that's awesome dude it's going to be really interesting to go into it And I guess Red Dragon is about Will having to return to Lecter for his help to catch a new killer that's targeting families three years later. There's a three-year time gap in the middle of this season.
1: There is. There really is. And there's a lot that goes on between those three years. But uh, yeah, we get caught up to speed at that point, and a new hunt's on.
0: And that's as good of a synopsis as I can give. Yeah, without getting too spoilery.
1: It's so fucking i don't know it's so much more complicated than that but it certainly is i guess we should give a little bit of warning after we got our synopsis so this one still deals with scenes of cannibalism there is some gore less cannibalism this season i know there is there is but there's a little bit oh
0: yeah there's def i
1: mean it's it's hannibal yeah i mean <laughs> you, can't have, you can't help but have a little bit this is the most
0: violent of val- all the seasons
1: Yes, yeah, hyper. Violent. There is
0: more on-screen violence in this season than any of the others. Than both of the others put together, easily. You actually see more killings take place. You do. You definitely see more, like actual stabbings. And oh, I mean, and I don't know. Like I'm on the edge. It, it doesn't get me as bad as I know some other people. But there is a very, very close up of a needle going in. Yeah, and I'm I know that that sets some either. people off. And that's one of those things that just. Like, I'm not it's scared of it, but it makes me, like, it's hmm. one of the things that does make me physically squeam a little bit. You can and so, kind of feel
1: the needle go in.
0: Right. right. Uh, I mean, I'm just talking about it right now. I'm kind of tensing up a little hmm. bit. Yeah. There's a very a, like drawn out,
1: very close up. <laughs> there is. There certainly is. So, there's drug use on this show. There's sexuality on this show. I mean, everything about it's adult themed. It's a horror show, thriller. You're going to get that kind of stuff. We've mentioned it that it's on an executive station.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's. It was NBC. How was this
1: NBC? How
0: the, as they we're giving you this streams. warning, how the fuck was this NBC? Well, I think a little bit has you to do with you producers. You get to see somebody's performers. throat ripped out. Bit out. Yeah, you do. That happens. Up. <laughs> Heads up. And this was on NBC. That's what you're in store for this season. The last two seasons, you probably wouldn't get to see that happen. You would probably only see the aftermath. This season, like, lips get bitten off before yeah. your eyes. That's pretty awesome. Spoiler-ish. Whatever. I'm just trying to warn you. Well, if you're if you're this your involved,
1: <laughs> you should know ahead of time, right?
0: But that's the thing. The last two seasons, that wouldn't occur in front of you. You right? It would have, have been happened off screen, and you'd see the after. This one, it's disgustingly well, in very visceral. And with that, I guess we're gonna squeal, right? Yeah. I mean, that's everything up to speed now. Lipless squeal.
1: <laughs> How does that make you squeal? It's so the last time we'll be squealing.
0: About handball For now. For now. And I mean, we still might come back to like Silence of the Lambs at some point. Yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm certain we'll, we'll make those circles. We still got a lot of shit to hit, but we've both been talking about it. How does this make us squeal? Grateful that we are not trying to fit another 13 episodes man. of intense watching into a week.
1: Especially when you got a lot going on. But I'm glad we did, man. That was a good run.
0: Yeah yeah no it was a good run i'm glad we did it i'm glad i finally finished watching the show because i hadn't before like it turns out i hadn't watched any of season three before okay i thought i'd seen a couple episodes hadn't watched any of it i'd finished season two before that was it glad i finally finished it because it's fucking fantastic but i'm very glad that i'm not doing another week in a row of 11 plus hours of viewing for this podcast it is a lot of grinding out in one week not when trying to, like, you know, do the rest of my life.
1: Yeah, well, you work, and we've got social lives outside of this. Because, I mean, that's just the
0: viewing section. I mean, the, more time goes into it
1: than just that. Oh, note-taking, all kinds of behind-the-scenes.
0: Uh, I'm really glad we did it. I'm not trying to bitch about it too much, but I'm really glad that it's over with for now.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> likewise. We'll I, torture we ourselves like that them. again in the future, but... that's okay, we, you know, we make these rounds, and I'm glad we did it, but you're right. It's going to be nice to have one thing to concentrate on as opposed to like i said 13 episodes
0: and we'll get to that at the end however right now i'm kind of wondering how many more ways we can suck off this show because the season was was fantastic i want to go balls first and all the way up oh man so i mean the season starts off it doesn't even address the big cliffhanger no it doesn't it focuses on two characters specifically which was brilliant and it fucking infuriated me but had me just like wrapped at attention the entire time well that's the thing that's the bait the first episode was the bait and then if you get hooked they did it they did it i knew what they were doing too as soon as well not as soon halfway through the episode when i realized that they weren't going to fucking cut away from hannibal i was like oh you bastards i know what you did <laughs> oh you're gonna
1: make me wait how long are you gonna make me wait oh you dickwads i'm still gonna keep watching yeah. <laughs> you're right I don't think you have full closure until, like, maybe episode three or four, like, with all the characters from the cliffhanger. Right. I don't remember. You've been editing. How much did we talk about that cliffhanger? Because that was a good one. (laughs) We talked about the fight scene. We talked about... We kind of talked a little bit about it, but not really in depth. Right. I mean, because was bleeding out. Everybody's bleeding out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Abby's bleeding out. Alana's laid out. Got thrown out of a window. You haven't seen Chilton in a while. Chilton's got fucked up by Miriam Lass. There's like all these people. Most that of your major you know players what have
0: all had something really fucked up happen to
1: them. It looks like they're all on the verge of And they're of all
0: death. possibly going to die. I mean, God, one of the major players you didn't even know was still alive until two minutes before she died. Also, yeah. spoiler fucking. <laughs> Abby
1: dies. Yeah, she finally. Dude, died. that was
0: fucking hard. Okay, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the week. I'm going to skip ahead to episode two. That's okay. When they do bring in Will, first episode is all Hannibal. Hannibal's living in Italy. If you've watched the original movies slash read the books, you realize that it's setting you
1: up for Hannibal. Exactly. Exactly what that is. So we find out he's in Italy with Bedelia. They've assumed these different identities. Bedelia means. is
0: basically Clarice at this point. If you're going to cross over to Hannibal, which it does, especially with Potsy coming up, as soon as they introduce the dude as Potsy, I'm then you like, know, <laughs> oh fuck, well he's going to end up hung with his fucking intestines uh, yes. out. Yes, <laughs> and I can't wait. Yeah, that was great. We'll talk about it. It was great. <laughs> I can't wait to see this motherfucker sliced open. He wasn't even that bad of a character, but I'm like, I know what's coming.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, if you've seen the movie, then you will certainly know what's going to happen to this character. But that entire first episode just sets you
0: up to be like, oh, by the way, Hannibal is living the good life. Yes, he is. Except he's, I was going to say unhinged, but he's not unhinged. But he's definitely being far more reckless than he has been. Yeah, he's very, I don't know. Like I said, he's a little bit more casual about what he's doing. And Bedelia is... Like I said, basically Clarice. Exactly.
1: Episode two, like you so said, we get Will. So we find out that Will did live. And it he seems gets a like Abby at the did. Yeah. And you know what? I had a feeling from
0: the get go because they were using all sorts of little Throughout the episode, they kept using little hints. She wasn't really interacting with any of their characters and just some of the weird camera angles and the way they'd isolate her and stuff. I'm like, she's probably dead. He's probably seeing things. But you get to the end of that episode. And they have that montage of them preparing her corpse with them saving his life. And it was fucking heartbreaking. Because yeah. I'm like, I really wanted Abby to be alive for this. I think Just, everybody did, Like, man. give him a fucking break. Give Will a break. Come on. Unrelenting. Oh, it is heartbreaking. It really is. Damn it. To pop back a layer, go meta for a minute. I don't really listen to our episodes. I think I've hinted at that in the past. But as I was switching through my SoundCloud the other day, it accidentally popped up our Hannibal episode. All right. As I was trying to get, like, how did this get made? And, I mean, it's not that I don't like our stuff. It's just that...
1: We spend uh, a lot of time talking about it. Yeah, we
0: sit here and we spend a lot of time. Like, I don't necessarily need to go back and listen (laughs) to my own voice for another hour and a half. Plus, I'll listen to bits here and there while I'm finishing off the editing process and putting it up online and shit anyway. So it's not like I don't completely not listen to us, but... But I started listening to it and I started thinking to myself, I'm like, man, we should have talked about Abby more because she's fantastic. And that's part of the reason I
1: wanted her to continue on. Oh, yeah. We really skirted around season one, her role, how she was important to both Hannibal and to Will. Like she was a central character to both of them. And And unfortunately for Will, she was used in a way to keep him connected to Hannibal it's
0: kind of sad because a lot of times in will's head she's a good goal for him and like a good spot of stability but he kind of loses that throughout the season and that's a little bit of the point because he kind of yeah things are blurring well he mentions that yeah so the last season was all about emphasizing the blurring and like Uh, the the mirror between hugh and hannibal or not hugh but uh will and hannibal hannah graham right This season kind of takes that for granted a little bit. And its themes are different. And so they don't go out of their way to show you that they're alike. You just have to piece together that you know why he's doing certain things. And they're not throwing it in your face as much. They're throwing different imagery in your face while just letting that sort of be the flow. That's a
1: good point. After a while you even lose some of the imagery with the stag and the wendigo. You know, that kind of disappears. It still pops up every now and then. Yeah, every so often, but not so much in the latter half of this uh, season. I mean, I feel like overall, whereas like the last season
0: was a lot about showing how they're alike and Will becoming Hannibal in a way, this one's a lot more just about their friendship and maybe like the nature of friendship.
1: Yeah, and, like, their friendship. The, <laughs> yeah. the ability to forgive. It is a unique take on moral boundaries and what's acceptable. and It's a unique take because how much can you sympathize with it? And how much are you like, I don't know, man. I don't know if I can have a friendship with somebody like that. Right. But that's
0: the thing. It's like everything taken to the extreme.
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: It's like, I mean, like having a best friend and, and you know, you would still getting a spat every now and then sort of thing. And, like, there's... It's even kind of pointed out to a couple of the characters towards the later half of the season. But, like, a lot of Hannibal's actions in the later half of the season can very be, easily be attributed to jealousy. Yeah. Within... Him and Will's relationship. Because it's kind of a weird relation. It's a (laughs) relationship. It's It's weird to call it a relationship, but it's absolutely a relationship.
1: That's exactly what it is. I mean, Brian Fuller's even alluded to the fact that they have a bromance. That's what their connection is. You know, there's a fascination from both ends. No puns intended, but.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's an intimate relationship. I mean, in this season, most of the time they're literally separated by a fucking cell of some sort.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, man. God, she
0: was dead. Ah, why was she dead?
1: And yeah, <laughs> and that is... They pull at you so hard, and then when you find out what actually happens, like who actually visits him, then you get reintroduced to the fact that Chilton made it, and then we also find out that Jack made it, and also Alana made it. I was going to say,
0: I really like how like, the framing device for that episode mm-hmm. ended up... Because Will found out that Abby was actually dead. Towards the end of like episode two
1: There was and then a episode killing three of the broken heart That's how he kind of pieced it together mm-hmm.
0: I can't remember if it was three or four But the one where you find out Basically what happened to everybody right. Was all framed by Chilton being a fucking Scummy little bastard And going and trying to cozy up to everybody That made it through Which turns out to be everybody but Abby Precisely However they all make it Yeah,
1: yeah, it's... yeah
0: Make it through Yeah <laughs> How about that uh, how about the unmasking?
1: That was pretty gnarly, right?
0: Whew. Chilton
1: He got fucked up.
0: Got fucked up. He I'll looks pretty you. good with all of his shit in. And
1: then you're like, oh, I Oh, never mind. Oh. Yeah, his eyes all fucked up. He's got this like mouth guard piece thing he has to put in. He's got makeup to cover up the bullet hole. And it he all got just fucked all, up. He got fucked up. <laughs> Verger, I still prefer the Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can understand that.
0: Although I did think it made more sense with how much money he's supposed to be worth that he would have continued just trying to get plastic surgery to look better and better. Like, it doesn't make sense that Oldman's verger, as old as he was, still looked that bad. Good point. The sort of arc where this verger continually gets upgrades as long as he's in the series, basically.
1: Yeah, he's moving on up. He's made right with Jesus. I mean, him getting
0: an upgrade was part of his... (laughs) master plan he was going to get oh, a whole my. new face yes he was i mean we can skip ahead i want to skip ahead a little bit to that because i feel like that was a. I feel like they did that as a science of the lambs reference because they couldn't use it
1: yeah i mean like you said there's plays on different characters kind of being other characters for obvious reasons like you say but but hannibal getting out by
0: wearing the guard's face <laughs> oh man by by wearing the lead singer of the country band from Blues Brothers oh, face
1: <laughs> damn
0: that's funny dude. in Silence of the Lambs I thought that Verger the way that they set it up there's so many details to his plan and how Will's a part of it and, oh yes he is and then not a part of it
1: cause he fucks up
0: not really but he does and all that shit I definitely felt like the face swap was supposed to be a, a reference to Silence of the Lambs though
1: I can totally see that.
0: And especially how then he ends up with... Was it Cordell? Is that the name of yeah, his? Yeah, it was Cordell. How he ends up with Cordell's face. I thought it was going to be fucked up if Lecter actually would have took the time to sewn it on, but the fact that he just drapes it on... Yeah,
1: and he's like, Cordell! Cordell! <laughs> and he sees it from the mirror, and that's like, oh, shit. but That's a really good moment, too, man. Like, that whole escape, how he gets out of that situation, Hannibal, in the first place, it basically involves... How they all kind of get together in Italy. Like, that was a big thing. How they all got it out of Italy. <laughs> How about Jack versus Hannibal, round two? That was so good. And that was, like, right after Pazzi got tossed out the window. Jack beats the shit out he of Hannibal. Beats the brakes off Hannibal.
0: Holy fuck, dude. That was brutal as shit. He breaks his arm, I believe, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, he fucks him up bad. But Hannibal gets away. He knows what
1: he's doing. It Um, was interesting how he got away, too. Like He had a little bit of help when he got pushed out the window. (laughs) Oh, Potsy. Oh, man, that was so bad. The guy who played Potsy did a really good job, though. I
0: thought he did a good job, too. He got greedy is
1: what happened to him. We brought
0: it up just a couple minutes ago. Or you brought it up just a minute ago, and I kind of skipped over it. That's okay. To bring up my point. But to go back to that body, so one thing with how good the gore is in all this show and how good everything looks for the most part... Until Will saw it as a beating heart, like, two-thirds of the way through the episode, I couldn't make out
1: what it was supposed to be. Like, wrapped up? Yeah. He's like, it's a topiary. And then he was figuring out, like, what all the body parts were inside of it, wrapped up around a big flesh. And oh. I felt... Well, that, that is I mean, I'm, a I'm okay scene. with this show being subtle,
0: but I felt like... I didn't
1: understand it either second time watching it. I felt like,
0: with how pushed the art direction is in most of the show that it should have been just a, a little bit more obvious what it was supposed to be, just to to keep in line. I agree with that,
1: man. Yeah, because it was a little difficult to understand. I mean, not until they explained it. You're like, oh, well. Okay. Well, and then when you
0: see it beating as a heart, you're like, oh, fuck, okay. Yeah. I see it now, but.
1: But that was kind of interesting, too, because that was the moment that we learned that, yeah, Abigail's not there. Hannibal comes back to the scene of the crime, and that's where uh, Will tells Hannibal that he forgives him. Oh, down in the like catacombs. Kinda. Yeah, that was really cool. That was a
0: weird sequence. I, it kind of felt kind of weird and not,
1: kind of unsure what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah, that was kind of a, a, a unique moment in a way. I had to really pay attention to this season. There was a lot. If I there. looked
0: away for for like a minute, like something caught my eye on my phone or something, like the girlfriend text or something. Yeah, it happened. I would have to fucking like rewind like five minutes. Like, oh, I had to do
1: that a bunch too.
0: Dude, that was the thing with this. This watching almost killed me because it was all so integral to what was going on that, like, there was a couple times when I was just, like, watching an episode a little bit too late, and I'd start to drift off a little bit, and I'd have to re-watch the entire episode to figure out what...
1: There's a lot of information that... I- I'd miss, like, lost. three
0: minutes, and then I was like, how the fuck did I get here again? Am I watching the right thing? Like, this doesn't seem to be making sense right now. And so I'd just stop for the night, and I'd have to re-watch that same episode in the morning. Like, three of these episodes I watched two times.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of watching, man. It is. Gosh, dude. But you're right about beating hard. That was kind of a little weird. But it did turn into that stag, and it came after Will. That was fucking
0: freaky. Yes, it was. That was cool. That was a cool I mean, moment. for a season that features less raven stag, less fucking wendigo spirit than the other seasons... That was insane. Yeah, because Will
1: was starting to really lose it again, or it felt like he was. The Chio thing seemed weirdly abbreviated. The, it that, really the, was. My only
0: problem with this season is it feels like, since they knew that they were canceled at a certain point, they kind of had to wrap everything that they could up too quickly.
1: They were condensing a lot of information.
0: Everything having to do with Chio should have been a season in itself, delving into a it lot of time history. in Japan. Mm-hmm. Because that's something that's in the books.
1: What's not she like a, like a handsmaid or something of that nature to his aunt, his Japanese aunt? They go over it so fucking quickly. It's weird how they're trying to connect these dots, in, a, like you said, in
0: an abbreviated way. And like the Misha thing should have been the whole dwelt on more. Rising. Especially because there was a lot more in this season of Hannibal's own headspace. There was. Yeah. And his mind palaces and everything it could have been really neat to see the imagery of him dealing with those occurrences in his head space that's a good point where if you get an entire season we could have oh yeah
1: easily if you would have dedicated a season to his backstory it would have been easy but you're right we don't see anything that happened to him in lithuania we just know he's from there you know he ate his sister you know what But But they they even comment on the fact that
0: there has to be more there that's too mechanical. Yeah. Which is funny because that's like the criticism that the novel Red Dragon got. That (laughs) the things that turn Dollar Height into Dollar Height are too mechanical. That they make too much sense and we know that that's kind of not how things work. That things are way more complex than that. Right, I know what you're saying.
1: Well, like I said, with all these different dynamics they could have played upon what could have been. But you're right, it just kind of leaves you kind of wondering.
0: But I think Bedelia is the one that comments on that in an episode. She's like, so he eats people because he ate Misha. Like that you know, that just You're right. There's like there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. But yeah, Chia feels like it should have been a season. Possibly mixed up with Misha, possibly not. It very much could have went either way. I think these are talented enough writers, but it's like a three to four episode
1: subplot. Yeah, it's
0: pretty important because Chio ends up sniping the fuck out of quite a few people that, that ends really up becoming cool. really important.
1: She does, in kind of a spread out way, like you said, but when it mattered, she came through in a pinch. She was like the sniper ex machina. Basically. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty awesome, man. <laughs> she had some pretty cool interactions a little bit. She fucked up Will, threw him off a train.
0: Which led to one I mean <laughs> like they Will. The the Will checking in with Hannibal after that at the fucking museum, I thought it was great. And it's just like, How is she? I was like, Well, she threw me off a train. Yeah. Had a girl. One of my favorite moments of the entire season. Just. There
1: is one thing I liked about this because a huge theme in this show we've talked about a lot is the use of animals and of course, food and whatnot, but the incorporation snails? of snails in this season, yeah, was okay. Really what cool. was
0: with that? Did you read anything on that? Like, I, I noticed the not thing.
1: necessarily. I kind of understood a little bit when he had. When I say he, Lecter had a conversation with Gideon, and I guess he was like having some of the meat being cured in a cellar, and the snails were eating it. And I feel like because they were incorporating the snails into the dish as well, it was like bringing out other flavors and. Mm-hmm. It was, It's a weird symbiosis of this meat-eating.
0: Honestly, this entire show deserves like 15 more rewatches from me over the years, because I'm sure you'd be able to pick out so much just layered symbolism and yeah. stuff. That I, I don't know the full capacity of well, it. I do remember that they talked about that, but with how long they drew it out over the course of the first half of that season, I felt like they were also using it as a
1: metaphor for something that I was missing. Here's another kind of uh, Silence of the Lambs reference, which was kind of huge, too, was what Chio, was the captive she had, who was the guy they claimed that killed Misha and mm-hmm. ate her and all that stuff. But Will provoked her to kill that guy for his own reasons. He was curious. But what Will did to that guy after he died is he strung him up and gave him butterfly wings
0: Oh, right. And I mean, then you
1: saw the snails that were all over him. But what happened was the snails somehow were attracting the fireflies as well. Or the lightning bugs in the southeast. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was kind of cool because you do see moments of Will seeing those fireflies in Lithuania at the estate. And then you see all those snails down where she was keeping that prisoner, too. All right, so... That kind of tied back, I think, into his
0: I didn't think... Backstory. So I didn't think about that scene in context with what happens way later on. So if for some reason you're listening to this and you don't want to hear us talk about the last episode for a second, (laughs) then skip forward like a minute. But do you think they're setting up Will to be a less Gein, more something else version of Buffalo Bill with that (laughs) death's head moth? Because Bedelia's table
1: was set for three. It certainly was. It wasn't just she and who we thought maybe. It was set for a dinner, a proper dinner. He basically turns him into the Death's Head Moth. Could be. I mean, there were plans for a season of Silence of the Lambs. I don't
0: feel like they could go the same route with him making like a human suit. That's not something Will would do in his becoming. No, I don't don't think so. Uh, Will Will would be, just because of Hannibal's influence,
1: he'd have to be more elegant than that. The only thing that would maybe tip it off is what he did to... uh, the wolf bear dude took his face off and put it on the uh the skeleton oh that's true but that's as close as it got to any of that
0: right well that of course the butterfly slash moth imagery well that but i didn't think about that before in context with that last scene
1: that's interesting i mean it's a possibility shit anyway where were we so stoner moment yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> no, I guess we were just talking about Chio and her connection with that little background story and what I wanted to mention with the snails because we did get off on a tangent a little bit. But there was a weird finding out of a surrogate, too, which was fucked up. So, <laughs> god damn. I really wish that at
0: some point I had made you watch through all the first season of Preacher already. Because mm-hmm. I get a feeling that Mason Verger and the bad guy in the first season of Preacher would get along very well. They both had a very weird preoccupation with meat and pig meat. I feel like everything would have been good between those two. Uh, also, common interest. <laughs> uh, he is played by Jack Earl Haley. I feel like they would have got along famously but anything I said about that right now you wouldn't know because you haven't <laughs> seen Preacher yet
1: I, haven't... Pre- I wouldn't make you watch Preacher I' <laughs> not force you but no that's a kind of an interesting thing um, what I wanted to mention was Margot finds out in a weird way that not all of her parts were lost her eggs were harvested and they found a surrogate for her it's living in the home oh dude as soon as he said that
0: I knew what it was going to fucking be too It's just too obvious with that motherfucker.
1: I just didn't know that they were actually going to show it. He was trying to reward her because she was helping him out with stuff that was going on with Hannibal in Italy. I was also surprised that she was helping
0: him as much as she was. Well, I guess she has to keep him alive because of the way the will works. But
1: I mean, in the end, she does get her reward, so to speak. But when she finds out that the surrogate's a fucking pig and there's actually a kid inside of the pig, that was a fucked up moment. They had to cut it out
0: see all of this wouldn 't be a problem if you were able to expand this to like three more seasons because you would have had time to have the characters do other things in between. but I felt like bringing in Margot what like middle of last season maybe yeah, earlier was, maybe earlier than that, but you don 't get to know her that well till later too in the season well, right. and finding out she 's a lesbian and then having her basically with the only other female member of the cast that's in the United States, bingo. <laughs> With more seasons, you could have had right. something sort of play out a little bit more. But suddenly, they're together, and yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I don't it, either. I was gonna say, yeah, lesbian sex scene was hot, but it wasn't hot. It was fucking super artsy. Art-y. Yeah, but it was really neat because you, I mean, it was kind of like emotionally
1: touching you. They became like one person of, right in front yeah, of you. It was, it was really was neat, weird. I was like, yeah, but in a completely artsy way. <laughs> it really was. It was a unique way of filming their their hot sesh. It was still weird, though. It made made for some great lines, though. (laughs) There were some good O faces. Well, and uh,
0: later on, too, fucking Hannibal (laughs) digs in a joke at her. Later on, something like she's like, he's like, have you came in here to wag your finger at me? And she's like, you know, I like wagging fingers. He's like, how is Margo? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) He knew. He knew what was going on. He says some shit to her that is really funny. Like, he catches her in a good way. Dude alana bloom is kind of turned into a bad guy yeah she's kind of seen how certain events play out if you play it by certain rules i suppose she's like fuck that the first half of the season she's working with the
0: vergers she realizes she's not as evil as mason but that just leads to her doubly backstabbing (laughs) and letting hannibal go
1: yeah she cuts him
0: off she knows and, I mean, her doing that could have, I mean, just really fucked it up for all of them in a big, bad way.
1: <laughs> yeah, most certainly.
0: It's weird because the role that they set her up in is basically Dr. Chilton's role in the books. Chilton's kind of on the sidelines from the second half of the season on. It's her institute now, right? Is that what I'm getting? I Am mean, I wrong like, about that? Because it seems yeah, like it Chilton's like that's in visiting now. and she's the one in charge of Hannibal. I it guess. feels like
1: that's what her role is now
0: she's assumed chilton's job i guess because Chil- i chilton's think it's because like i author. think it's still the place for the the criminally insane because oh, yeah. chilton threatens hannibal later on with what'll end up happening to him just living out his days there and shit oh yeah he spells it out said he's gonna get some love making from behind and the old ones cry when they don't like their stewed
1: apricots yeah
0: that's a pretty big threat for fucking Hannibal, having to deal with shitty stewed apricots.
1: Oh, damn, dude. He would not take too kindly to that. No. That chef in particular. That's Chilton's role normally. and so has that been makes, in the past. Yeah. That makes Chilton expendable. Oh, yeah. Chilton, fuck him. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's Chilton gets
0: everything happened to him because... Does he? They already used the Freddy Lounds death.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was out. From the dragon.
0: So that's the one thing I was wondering, because I hadn't seen the season before. I was like, well... If they're doing Red Dragon, moving into the second part... Oh, yeah. I don't even know how to explain what all goes on in the end, but... But... <laughs> not truly explain it, because there's a lot of there emotional reasoning behind it.
1: Hannibal ends up giving himself up. Right. Part of the big reason why is because he knows that Will's not going to chase him. Will spells it out. hmm But, because he's giving himself up, Will will always know where he can find Lecter. So As like, almost like the ultimate temptation... Yeah.
0: There's a lot more God talk in this one, and I felt like Hannibal was setting himself up as, like, the tree with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes sense.
0: He was that thing, you always know exactly where it's at, and there's a price to pay. Will has to seek him for knowledge in the second half, and that leads to his downfall. Exactly. And his encounter with the great red dragon. Wow, I'm just now catching on to all of that. Yeah. Holy fucking biblical proportions of this goddamn season, Batman It's huge, it really is Holy shit I have to rewatch a season now (laughs) Sorry,
1: my mind was just blown I want to sit here for a second Well, even when they're in Italy I mean, a large part of the scenes were done in some of the cathedrals You know, it played a huge significance They used that kid to do the Hallelujah song In one of the opening sequences And Will profiles God And it sounds suspiciously like Lecter. I mean, even Jack confronts Lecter about Are you Satan? He was like, well, that means you're God and Will is the Lamb So I mean, they're doing that Yeah, all gods demand sacrifices That was huge Yeah, (laughs) I was like, oh shit
0: Damn, who's it gonna be? (laughs) So, as I mentioned Okay, well, yeah, that's the thing So he sets himself up as the tree He's the knowledge It's three years later
1: there's the killer we talked about, the Tooth, the Tooth Fairy. Fairy.
0: The Great Red Dragon. Yes. Francis Dollarhide, Thorin Oakenshield. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I was going through this, I was like, I kept recognizing the name in the credits. I'm like, I know that it's Richard Armitage is playing Francis Dollarhide, And I keep looking at him. I'm like... I recognize them, but where from? And I kept just putting off, like actually looking up the cast and shit. I'm like, I'm just gonna look it all up at the end. Like he's in enough of it. It's not like I have to go to hunt for a specific episode. Like any of the last six will do. I know who I'm looking for. But I kept thinking to myself, like, why is this so familiar? And when I realized it was Thorin Oakenshield, I fucking laughed really, really hard.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh,
0: those Hobbit movies, I wanted them to be so much better than they were, but it was so great to see Thorin on screen. But it's really weird that Thorin is the fucking tooth fairy. Dude is jacked up in this show. So, this is the other part. This deserves an entire season. Not that I'm unhappy with what we got for the adaptation of Red Dragon, but as I did just get done reading the novel, the novel has a lot more from Francis's point of view. A lot more. And sort of his anxiety, some of his social hang ups, flashbacks to his past, so you actually understand. He thinks he's far more disfigured than he is And it's because at a point in his past He was
1: Yeah, and so we don't really get any of that
0: You don't get any of that And I feel like Brian Fuller is absolutely the man With the wonderful, artistic, crazy visions And flashbacks and hallucinations And like visual representations of emotions That we've got throughout this series He would be absolutely the man To get inside the head of Dollar Hyde and maybe even flesh it out from the book, because, like I said, the book presents it kind of mechanical. This happened to him as a kid. That's why he does this as an adult. And it's a little bit more complicated, but it's spelled out clear enough that you're like, well, yeah, of course. Like, no shit. It's still too obvious, and I feel like Fuller would be able to dance around it more and, and open it up, and this is how big of a thing that he feels about
1: it, and that's why I You know, you can make it more expressive and... You know, relatable. as suppose. But we didn't get that. Got yeah, none of that. <laughs> Absolutely zero of that. If you're not familiar with, like, some of the films, then it'd be kind of hard to figure out what's going on with this guy, and you know how this stuff is rushed and that, why he's such a huge figure. No pun intended, but he mm. is.
0: So part of it because they didn't give it to you, and maybe it makes a little bit. And I'm not saying the last half of the season is still fucking fantastic because of the Will-Hannibal relationship, which truly is the main relationship of the show. It's just that Dollar Hyde could have been a much bigger, more fleshed-out character with inclusion of some of the shit from the novel. Especially because Hannibal's a very small part of the novel. It's mostly Will and Dollar Hyde that are emphasized. Will's a little bit more mechanical. It's not so much weird hallucination things either. But... Dollarhide was born with an extreme cleft palate to the point where in the book he was described as, like, his face being bat-like. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, like, his mom screamed and fainted at the first sight of him, and they wouldn't even let her see him for a couple days, make sure that he was going to survive first, and even then he almost wasn't able to feed. Like, one of the just nurses in the ward just felt bad that he was wasting away and figured out a way to feed him. Mm. but they were basically just going to let him starve to death. He was that disfigured. And it was like that time period. Bad and... kid, damn. <laughs> but then he eventually got some plastic surgery, so he was able to function at least a bit more normally. And then later on, I believe when he was in the service, he ended up gaining the attention of like some plastic surgery. Uh, because of the extremeness of his case, and they wanted to be able to work on him and see what they could do. He basically ended up having a very extremely well done plastic surgery, but he doesn't acknowledge that in his head. Other characters describe him as really not having to worry about yeah like what he looks like as much as he does, and that's even shown in the show. It's just a very barely there, yeah,
1: it doesn't seem like it's such a big deal as he's playing it out to be in his
0: mind, but it was to the point that like. He spent a few years in an orphanage in a part of his childhood and the older boys in the orphanage taught him that his
1: name was Cuntface. Oh shit. <laughs> Damn, see I, we get none of this. That's okay. I mean you're calling it out, which is cool. And then oh god, it was
0: weird, like then he was like taken in his grandma finds out about him and takes him in, like finds him at the orphanage and adopts him but then she's weirdly abusive and that leads to some of his other like weird sexual hang-ups and stuff. That's the other thing. Brian Fuller is not afraid to go sexual.
1: Oh no. <laughs> not at all. And no, there's a scared. lot
0: more sexuality in play in the novel than you get in the show. That I feel like with a full season he would have had time to elaborate on those themes more as well. And Dollarhide's weird like social anxiety and how it's just played to an extreme with him, especially with the presence of the Red Dragon and shit. Yeah, and How the Red Dragon, at times, when it really starts talking to him and shit, is very much influenced by his grandma.
1: Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah, I would have never guessed that. I mean, how could I?
0: Yeah, just all sorts of weird shit. And then they just, they do move a couple things in different order. Like, he doesn't sleep with, what's her name? Reba, Reba right. The Because the first time she comes over and they make martinis and shit, that's the time they fuck, right? I think she blows hit. him, yeah. and it, he's you know, yeah, quick he shooter. See, he sees her. And... and then the second time she's hanging out is when he watches the movies with her. So in the books, it's even better for him, because the first time they hang out, that's what they do, is hang out. The reason she's sprawled out on the couch is because he's watching the movies a second time. The first time, she just kind of puts her head down in his lap for no reason. In the books, it's because she's sprawled out, she's already been over there once, he's been a good guy, and as her head's on the lap, he's watching his movies, because he... He
1: gets aroused?
0: Well, not just that, but there's a lot more of his interplay back and forth with the dragon, and how it feels about Reba, and how he wants to shield Reba from the dragon and stuff, and he's still becoming at that point because he feels good around her. He's trying to show her part of his glory, but he knows he can't do that without killing her. And so this is the next closest he can get. And he actually chooses a different film than the one he had planned to watch his leads kill film, if I remember right, but realized that that was going over the edge. He wouldn't be able to contain himself if it was that one. <laughs> and so instead he put on the film of the next place that he was going to case so he could think about the fact that he was becoming rather
1: than the fact that he already was so gotcha. that he wouldn't kill her. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> All that shit that's going on in his head. But that's the wow. time she blows him. <laughs> so
0: it's even better. Like, he's watching this, like, getting ready for the kill and she starts going to town on it. Get, getting some hair. <laughs>
1: It's funny on the show, man.
0: <laughs> but even then, it's like, after that first time, and she realizes like he's still going, as he picks her up, it's like, well, I want to go to my room, but that's upstairs, but the dragon's up there. I can't go up there, because if I'm in the same room as the dragon and take her in there, then it's we're going to have problems, so I have to take her to Grandma's room.
1: <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I had to bang it out in Grandma's
0: room. <laughs>
1: Got the money so they bang the it sheets. out in Grandma's
0: room. <laughs> damn. That's funny. But you also understand just like how big of a thing it is that for him, that she called him, oh, you sweet man. He mentions it later on in the show, in he one does. of the episodes, but that's something that's repeated a little bit more in his mindset throughout because you get a lot of chapters from his side. That's interesting. Um, yeah. He's a much more sympathetic character. He's still fucking psycho, but he's much more sympathetic in the novel. You get how it's these things that we all feel anyway just take into these weird extremes not necessarily through any fault of his own either i mean at a certain point obviously he's choosing to kill people right, not like right. seek therapy or something but
1: yeah it's a weird release for him i suppose but it's also
0: when you have a psychosis that's that deep too i mean how much is that even
1: an option <laughs> yeah it's a major influence you're right I guess with dollar high too. Some of the things that um, I was going to ask about with contrast or comparison with the novels, how much were some of the artwork? Uh, in <laughs> so play? the
0: artwork's interesting. The artwork's a really interesting case because Thomas Harris in the novel describes there's a, a series of five paintings done by William Blake about the beast, and that's where they get five of the episode titles from. Yeah, I, was, um, I think it was like the last five, right? Uh well. Because that last part is the last six episodes, and it's the five episodes, I think the five episodes, and then the last one is from land. Revelation yeah. 6.16, The Wrath of the Lamb. He describes in the novel the painting, and what he describes is the great red dragon and the woman... I, there's, there's, I want to make sure that I get the wording right. woman clothed in the
1: sun, and then there's...
0: Well, there's the one that's women clothed in sun, and, and there's the, with the... the yeah. He calls it with the... But
1: describes clothed in sun. I gotcha. But there's big differences. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I I did look up to the paintings themselves. And they're all different angles of the beast. And there's a lady character you're you're speaking of.
0: So he describes the great red dragon and the woman clothed in sun. But calls it the great red dragon and the woman clothed with the sun. Now, personally, my favorite is the great red dragon and the beast from the sea. But, I mean, whatever tastes differ, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's a, it's a badass painting, uh, watercolor. Actually, it really is a
1: pretty badass watercolor. I love watercolors. That's my favorite. That is fucking dope. And you I do see f- the seven heads, right? Mm-hmm Nice. However, this
0: is the one that's described. I mean, obviously, out there listening to us, you can't see what I'm you bringing up on your screen. <laughs> but uh, I'm showing Danny right now, and so he can see the difference. I know you said you looked him up, but that's the one that's described. Right, and that's she's more in the,
1: subservient.
0: In the show, that's the one that's shown. Right. In Red Dragon, that's the one that's shown. In Manhunter, this is the one that's shown, because that's the one that he names in the novel, even though he describes the other one. Gotcha. Now, how different are
1: those two? They are quite different. they use the same characters in a much different posture That's a huge contrast
0: I don't like the back facing beast. I like being able to see the beast's face. that's why I like I am yeah, that's dope that's my like I said that's my favorite. maybe once, once I get the new place, the new recording set up I'll get a print of that to put up somewhere That's awesome maybe <laughs> maybe not It's a little bit disturbing, but it's okay and then I didn't even bring up this one. The number of the beast is six 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 but there's the other one. But there's... Ooh, the lamb. What? Dope. Yeah, those pieces of art are really amazing. So that's the weird thing in the book. He describes one but names it another. But since he describes it, you know which one he's talking about. Even though he,
1: if he uses the wrong wording throughout the entire fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> I did read that there were some errors in the wording. Another interesting thing I wanted to ask, too, about that, between Dollar and Will specifically, was their encounter in the series at the museum as dollar Hyde is eating the red dragon um
0: doesn't happen okay so he does eat the red dragon but it happens later on does it happen before he goes on the date i can't remember that anyway yeah, that in the book question. that's what leads to his undoing is that happened and so they get a little bit more of a lead on him Uh, Will was already kind of putting it together anyway, but at that point, like, they get a little bit more of a lead on him, and he starts getting reckless to the point where he ate the dragon so that he could choose. Once the dragon's within him, he doesn't have to listen to the dragon that's in his upstairs anymore. The dragon painting and, like, the memory of his grandma. Like I said, it kind of gets weirdly intertwined when you're reading through it. It makes a little bit more sense, but... He doesn't have to listen to that, and it can't tell him who his, his victims are going to be if he has the dragon within him. So he'll still have to feed the dragon victims, but he'll get to choose. And so he doesn't have to give Reba the dragon at that point. Yeah,
1: which gets played out in the show, too. He's like, he can throw a different victim at the dragon.
0: But, like I said, in the book, that's kind of his undoing. It leads to him getting super paranoid about what's going on. And it does get them a little bit more zeroed in on his position. But Will's nowhere around it. Okay. And around that time period, Will puts together the other dots. And so they go start investigating his work. And he gets there, and when he sees Will at his work, and they had come in, and the FBI were obviously taking a look at files in the middle of the night while no one was there to freak people out to try to figure out who all the personnel were. And that's when the combination of those two things pushes him over to the edge to where he has to listen to the dragon again. Because the dragon's like, look, quit fucking freaking out, pull over, and I'm going to tell you what
1: to do. Nice. (laughs) Like, look, Charles is in charge.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: <laughs> no, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it's it is weird how um, I won't say weird, but it's unique how it plays out in the television series. Like, because it's really quick, but I do remember some of that being in the movie where he's more involved with where he works and how they find him and what.
0: They show him working out quite a bit in this in the show, but not nearly enough. Dude's supposed to be like Bane he's supposed to be like the fucking counselors in sleepaway camp
1: oh shit sky! like it's to
0: the point where like when he's just there there's a scene where like he goes by some kids and him just walking by like one of the kids like puffs out his chest and flexes his (laughs) biceps and starts like walking around just to sort of imitate him yeah and that's dude just walking by like there's a few scenes from reva's point of view in the books and being blind and being used to, you know, being guided by people and stuff. She's like, she puts her hand on his forearm and she's like, it was like touching like oak. (laughs) She had never encountered anything like that before. It was just... Some massive guy. Completely solid through and through. And it's not necessarily to be trusted because it's his description of himself, which is, as I mentioned, off. But he also has worked... Unincreasing his jaw and bite strength To the point where he says that his Cheek muscles stand out like walnuts
1: Jesus, could you imagine that? That's
0: the muscle tone I got muscle tone on my cheeks Because they never fully talk about it But it's very much implied that at a certain point The women in the families he kills are still alive And he finishes them by biting them to death hmm. Super violent uh, Personal With dentures inspired by his grandma's Snaggletooth mouth Okay
1: That would make a lot more sense for the reason why... I mean, outside of the fact that when they do dental records and all that stuff, it would throw them off to begin with.
0: And because you get more of those scenes with just Dollar Hyde and Reba and stuff in the book, most of their dialogue to each other... I felt those scenes were kind of weird in the show, and like, I don't know why either of them are saying these things. And he was kind of... I'll get to that in a second. But like, I I didn't like their dialogue together. Most of their dialogue to each other in the show is Mm self-thoughts in the book that they each have, almost to the word sometimes, sometimes more just to the general feeling. But it's usually things that they're describing to themselves as they're thinking about like what happened and stuff. He actually comes off a lot more charming and composed, to me anyway, in the descriptions of his interactions with her in the book, other than the scene with the tiger plays out a little bit differently too. Because he's hardly able to control himself at that point. He's not able to describe it to her. The two doctors that were about to do the pr- procedure guide her around the tiger's body while he's, like, stiff as a board, like, shaking, about to fucking cum his pants <laughs> against the wall watching her do that.
1: Yeah. it It is, in a way, it's... When I say funny, I don't mean, like, haha funny, but it's just it's an interesting way how he... He kind of like he has to hold back. You can see him like holding back, but he's super heightened. Like his sexuality is super heightened because of that. It's like,
0: damn, get a boy. And they also emphasize (laughs) how much he avoids words with s's in his speech because because of his.
1: That makes sense.
0: And so he's always happy when he can put a sentence together that means the same thing without using a word that has an s in it.
1: Bitch is a bitch for him when he's trying to describe multiple items. (laughs) Which is why
0: I'm not sure if he would have came in saying that his name was Francis Dollarhide. Frank. Straight off to her. I can't remember if he did that or not. I feel like he said either I'm Mr. Dollarhide, so they only had one S rather than two with Francis. Gotcha. Or if he just came in and said I'm Dollarhide.
1: You just called me D. <laughs>
0: I can't remember That's that for sure, but just because I just got done reading that part, though, too, where he was avoiding some S's, and then I watched that episode, I'm like, I'm not sure if he would have came in and said, Mr. Francis, or Mr. Mr. Francis
1: <laughs> Dollar <Dollar-hundred>. Hyde. <laughs> That'd be funny. Um, or,
0: even just fr- or even just said his first
1: name, Francis, with the how two. How about their meeting? Like, how do they meet up? how do they know each other because dollar hide and reba that's all basically the same same okay yeah they, I just they, they work uh to
0: that. developing film and shit and it's just that they don't have to compete with digital because the, the one point when he's going to do night vision mm-hmm. she doesn't ask would that just be easier on digital and he's like i'm not a fan of that format in the book she doesn't ask that it's just assumed yeah okay
1: what do you you know well yeah what quality infrared sense. film do you need because digital wasn't around yet it makes sense. I mean, they had to update a lot of things. There was even some mention of, like, social media and right, well, stuff on this issue. funny thing,
0: the other mention, the way that the Tooth Fairy talks to Hannibal is just by impersonating his lawyer and getting through on his phone and actually talking to him directly. Mm-hmm. There's a big part, especially early on in the hunt for the Tooth Fairy in the book, where they're having to encode messages into the personal ads in uh-huh. the Tattler. And... <laughs> But the first message was included on some toilet paper for RVs, the stuff that disintegrates really, really quick.
1: That's interesting.
0: In some fan mail for Hannibal. (laughs) And Hannibal in the series is like, of course he called. Like, What did you think it would be? Furtive messages on toilet paper and personal ads? (laughs) Yeah, he does. exactly what it was in the book.
1: That's fucking funny. I do remember him saying that.
0: Dang. (laughs) So Ooh. that was a neat little call out, I thought. I was yeah. like, way to update it. And that was neat. Like, nice, dude. Chilton doesn't die. It's Lowndes that dies.
1: But we talked about that a little bit before when they... Yeah, they play that kind of part out in season two. There's a little bit of it. Well, I guess like, Chilton doesn't die, though. Lowndes dies when that yeah. all that shit happens. Well, that's him. what I'm getting at, yeah. They just used her as a setup for that part, which was cool, but it was like it took away from Chilton's.
0: They give fucking Morpheus a quick line where he's like. Well, you know, he had to do it like you mentioned, like you did the lounge setup to you know, mirror back to you or something like that. But it was just like a quick throwaway line where I was like, eh, you guys are just rehashing this. So <laughs> yeah, basically. You already used it, but then like, you realized uh, that you only had five God, episodes left. Damn it. And you had to fucking work it in because it's a red dragon. Yeah. It was
1: still neat. Like, fucking, I didn't think that they were actually going to show the lips getting bit off. Oh, dude, that was intense. I liked how uh, they used him as the bait. And he fell for it, man. But he got fucked up. Yeah, him ripping his lips off, too. And that
0: was the other thing. Like This was more because it was Will coming up with a plan, because he's still kind of mirroring Hannibal and shit in the show. So it makes a little bit more sense in the show. But in the book, the deal with Lowndes is pretty much pushed mostly by Crawford, because there's no way in hell that Will's going to go along with it, because it's fucking Freddie Lowndes.
1: Yeah, and their history's not too great. But
0: in the show, it's Will that brings it up. Because he he's like,
1: this is what's going to work. We have to draw him out, um, slam him, yeah.
0: I can't remember. I felt like there was one other big thing that kind of bugged me, but I guess if I can't remember right now,
1: it must not have bugged me too much. Yeah, that second part, what I like, too, about, of course, that is three years later, was Will has a family now. He's got a wife. and They moved everything up. to the
0: north. Yeah. In the show, it's Atlanta and Birmingham. All of this is set more in Virginia and Maryland. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it sort of fits, because...
1: Well, the author, Thomas Harris, is from the South, and it would make sense that some of the settings would be in the South.
0: Their home is in Florida, rather than wherever it fucking was. I can't remember. You know, What's up it? where it's snow and like Wolf <laughs> Creek? Yeah. Something like that. I mean, that didn't bug me. It almost made a little bit more sense. It made a lot of sense for me, for Will, to be up in that setting after, like, Garrett Jacob Hobbs. Considering, yeah. And how that affected him and everything. Like, it, it felt like Will being out there made more sense than him being down, like, in the Florida Keys.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be like Dexter all over, all over again. Yeah. a <laughs> family. I think in the books it
0: had been, like, eight years since Lecter had been apprehended. Yeah, it just felt like
1: there wasn't enough time to have, like, some of the characters having these children and stuff. But I mean, it was not his kid, but, I mean, it's his stuff. that's son. the other
0: bleak part of the novel. Like, his marriage kind of falls apart at the end of the novel. So, we haven't talked about the end of the series yet. They not might yet. Both I be mean,
1: we of a skirt around it, yeah. This
0: doesn't leave off like that. Like, in the books, the end is way different with Dollar Hyde. Okay. He's not waiting with Hannibal. Hannibal's nowhere to be seen. Hannibal sends him a fucking letter later on when he's recovering in the hospital. He gets set up to think Dollar Hyde's dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He goes back home. Dollar Hyde surprises Will and his family. Earlier in the novel, he had had to teach Molly how to shoot, and that basically ends up saving her life. She ends up gunning down Dollar Hyde. But he's really, not just like a cut into the cheek, he's really fucked up Will's face. Like, it goes in like right below the eye and fucks up his entire cheekbone and fucking rips down to his ear and shit. Gosh, man. It sounds like he's pretty fucked up. I might be exaggerating that some in my head, just because that's how... They indicated that, like, his face got pretty fucked up. And that Dollarhide had stabbed it in, and he was going to try to push it through into his brain. Oh, man. And that's not when she shot him, but that's when, like, they were out fishing, and she whips the fishing rod at him. And he gets up with Paula fucking stuck in his cheek. And he goes up, not realizing it's her apologist, thinking it's a hook. He goes up to fucking grab it out and just rip it out with his other hand and gets his fucking hand stuck in one of the oh, other trouble hooks. So his hand's basically like stuck to his cheek. Yeah, and she goes up. off running to the house and he takes chase after her. And Will kind of just gets up and runs until he passes out because at that point he's—I he's, I mean, he's already been in the tooth fairy's head for months and months. And even when he got home, it was already like straining his relationship. And the reason he had them out to fish was... It sounded like he was going to basically like break up with her oh, for dang. their own good because he realized it was coming anyway because she was basically prepared to like leave to back to Oregon at the drop of a hat and all sorts of other... It's a whole different subplot with right, the family. Right. But he follows her to the house and she manages to fucking... She puts a lot of fucking lead into Dollar
1: Hide. Well, for as big as a, an imposing guy he sounds like... I imagine it probably does take quite a few.
0: But then when Will's recovering in the hospital, you don't get any actual closure on the relationship other than his son's already back over living with their grandparents, which is where they had been hiding out. And she shows up by his bedside a couple times but doesn't really say anything. And it seems like she's heading back to Oregon as well, which is not where her parents are and not where they had been living. Right. It ends on this really weird, really bleak tangent where that just leads him to remembering when he visited the Shiloh battlefield from the Civil War, right before he caught Garrett Jacob Hobbs, and how at the time he wondered if places were haunted by the things that went on there. And he comes to the realization as he's laying in his hospital bed that nature's indifferent and it's men that are haunted. All right. And that's how it ends.
1: That's weird. Yeah, because this is quite different <laughs> on the show. is fucking quite different.
0: Yeah, it's really fucking weird. I, I had to reread it a couple oh, times, man. but I'm like, did I miss something?
1: Is yeah. he just suddenly
0: reminiscing about fucking Shiloh?
1: <laughs> That's weird. That is... I have to read that. That's going to be funny. In the show, what they use is Hannibal as the bait to get the Red Dragon because he wants some... There was a cool encounter I was getting with the family with the way that his wife and her son escape and all that stuff how that plays out inside the house that was a pretty tense moment that
0: was pretty tense that was pretty cool um, they did
1: a good job of that whole execution of that scene
0: yeah that was neat i'm kind of happy that it wasn't as fucking depressing as the book where it's just like she just can't handle will when he's on the job basically and is goes back home and is like yeah hey, i just want to be home
1: yeah it's a lot more somber yeah but yeah no this one's uh i won't say it's upbeat but it's a little bit more like Man, that could have got fucked up bad. She was quick on her toes. She Mm -hmm. just heard the creaks. But anywho, once that plays out, like I guess Will has his little moment with his family after Chilton gets fucked up because they used him as bait. It comes to a point where we think that Dollar Hyde had committed suicide. He was trying to save Rebo on the Mm -hmm. show. Set the house on fire. She gets out. And all that happens almost the exact same, actually. Uh, that was pretty wild, man, too, that they show that remains of the shotgun. That Boy, was fucked up. Whoa, that was Ooh. pretty cool. <laughs> that was nasty. Yeah, and you know, you even see the a little bit of the spray back on her as it happens.
0: Well, I mean, and that was after they did the uh, way earlier in the season when you got the slow-mo of the bullet going through Chilton's head.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's Fucking
0: blowing out the back of his...
1: Yeah, some of these moments on the show, like, kudos, kudos, NBC. <laughs>
0: yeah, fucking brilliant.
1: But should have kept it going? <laughs> give me a back. Yeah, give me my baby back. But, my baby back, baby back, baby back. Yeah, after all that plays out, there's really not that closure, right? Because we know Dollar Hyde's not dead. He winds up snatching Will as Will's going back to, like, a motel room. He's not really after Will. He doesn't want Will in that capacity. He wants Lecter.
0: And that's... The stuff that Will tells Jack later on in that episode about why Dollar Hyde would want Lecter is actually word for word some of the shit that he tells them in the novel way earlier on why Hannibal would respond and like go back and forth with like a fan of his and like why the Tadler would work and like putting an ad in there and shit they reuse it just in a
1: different different context it's different context like said different formats they are using it to like said to get him out and that's more on a genuine hunch and this is more will has a plan yeah it's more calculated mm-hmm. they know that serial killers are uh, sadist and most likely narcissists as well and they like to gloat about their endeavors it works. Chilling gets fucked up. But the big debate, what I was alluding to, is Lecter finally has to be used as the bait as long as Will promises to say please. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. Everybody goes along with it. They know there's going to be consequences. Even Bedelia, she knows if he gets out, more than likely he's going to come and try to eat her. He's good on his promises. That's mm-hmm. what he says. There's a long sequence, too, or I won't say long, but there's a, a sequence where everybody's kind of looks like they're getting ready to get out of fucking Dodge. Alana and Margo, they catch wind, they know. Oh, yeah. No. Nope. Nope. See, uh, I think the whole compound gets cleared out, the murder yeah. state. Did we mention how Mason gets off? We didn't, but you know what? Go find out for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's, I like how it gets played out. Go uh, find out for yourself. He does get off. We did mention there was a different actor that plays Mason this season. He does a fantastic that's job. A great but, job. Does uh, great job. So it's convincing. But yeah, the the whole point is people are getting ready for this fake escape that they have planned. FBI's got it staged. When everything gets played out, it doesn't go according to plans because Francis comes <laughs> and helps out.
0: It doesn't go according to the FBI's plans. No, that's what I'm getting. But Will talked to
1: him yeah, yeah. earlier in the episode. They know what the fuck they were, or well, at least Will and he had intentions. I don't know why Dollar Hyde didn't just finish
0: off his plan then and get them then, but he does the first part of it. I mean, it must have been just how he set it up with Will.
1: Yeah, I guess he needed to get them all together.
0: But Hannibal gets out, followed by Will.
1: And you're like, oh, shit. They want up going to this uh, house on the bluffs. It's really cool. I like that whole sequence. But it seems like they're getting ready for a dinner, perhaps. They know that Dollar Hyde's close by.
0: And they have more revelatory conversation about the nature of their
1: relationship between each other. Mm-hmm. Because that's do. basically everything that they ever say to each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, you know what's kind of happening at this point. It seems like there's a conclusion that's about to happen. Well, yeah, fuck <laughs> Oh my gosh. Badass fight. Yeah, dude. Dollarhide shoots Lecter, makes him drop his wine, shoots him right through the guts and that ensues, that whole fight scene and that... It was badass, man.
0: You know, once they got outside and once...
1: Underneath the moon.
0: And once they kind of got the upper hand on him, Mm -hmm. it immediately reminded me of, like, wolves.
1: Yeah, they were hunting in that pack mentality.
0: It's weird because it was kind of neat to finally see, like, Will and Hannibal on the same side. Having
1: their moment together, yeah.
0: Even if that now meant that Will was now definitely a killer, but maybe not, because he's against the Red Dragon. He's also just kind of an Avenger. That's true, but it's it's where him and Hannibal can overlap and at that moment they indulge rewind. in the same thing, which they kind of comment on at the end. And then what happens at the very end had me laughing for a good
1: thirty seconds. Yeah, you were mentioning that to me. <laughs> just funny. It's a touching moment because they're having this bromance, as you know, this dude moment. Huge bromance, dude. Yeah. Hannibal Will
0: is just. This is what I always wanted for you. Will, on, you two, fucking get a room already, especially at the end
1: of that scene. <laughs> Well, Will even asks earlier on to be dealing, he's like, is he in love with me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, dude, duh. <laughs> it took you three <laughs> seasons to figure this out. <laughs> Come on, we figured it out in season one, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big old dude boner for you. <laughs> but uh, you want to mention what happens to those two?
0: Fucking Will takes them both over the edge of the bluff.
1: Yeah. Calls his um, bluff. He causes a bluff. That's where the Susie and the Banshees, or the Susie, Sue, and uh, Reitzel, that Mm -hmm. song, kicks it off. And you start getting the end credits, and you're like, oh, damn, what the fuck just happened? The reason I started laughing
0: when that happened, and I laughed until it showed Bedelia, um, (laughs) is I was like, oh, shit, they final problemed it. It's Reichenbach Falls. It's Moriarty and Sherlock going over the falls because Arthur Conan Doyle didn't want to bring back Sherlock.
1: god damn, yous...
0: (laughs) I'm like, it's not the same thing, because I know that they want to keep going with this show, but it's...
1: Maybe it's just their way of, It's like, them
0: both perishing to their doom. It's fucking Reichenbach Falls.
1: Yeah. I guess for them, it's kind of like, all right, this is going to be a, a funny, you know, way of... And uh, so sp- that means season four is going to be Hound of the Baskervilles. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. From what I understand, and from what I've read, too, it's like... And, you know, we know that they're trying to get season four and everything into production, but... During that time period, it was like, well, maybe if someone wants to pick it up, it gives them a, a good way to work an angle, especially the way it leaves off too, with what you were mentioning with Bedelia. Well, that's the thing I want to mention. It
0: shows Bedelia with a lovely spread, obviously meat on the bone, of oh, some yeah. sort. There's a, a long. It's rather long, so a y- long you find of out meat. <laughs> set for three people. Bedelia is one of the people. The yeah. other two spots are empty. And it pans down, and Bedelia's missing a leg. Mm, how did that happen? Bedelia's only going to die if, by Hannibal's hand, and it's only if Hannibal gets to eat her.
1: You know, what's interesting about that, too, is if we all recall, that is how Gideon met his fate. hmm So, that's the conclusion of the show. I guess we can give some of our afterthoughts a little bit. I still love that it's Reichenbach Falls. No, I'm so glad that I finally went through this show. Yeah, I mean... For me, too, it was a good way to revisit it. Because the way I binge-watched it last time, I did not pay as much attention to detail.
0: I'm actually going to try to get my girlfriend into it. She's usually not into shit this gory. But I think everything else about this show will be able to keep her attention, especially since we've now watched like two other Brian Fuller shows together. American Gods, And while we're still going through Dead Like Me. But maybe when we finish Dead Like Me, I'll be able to talk her into this. But I really want to watch it again. Because I know that there's still shit I missed. Like, there's connections between these people we can't even come close to touching on because there's a lot
1: of connections this
0: is a very intense show especially the third season though i feel like you have to pay more attention than you do most other shows there were a lot of
1: times where you mentioned to you have to rewind and i
0: felt like maybe that's why they lost viewership i mean we talked about like time slot changing and shit too back in the first episode and i mean this is just a very high concept show for network television to begin with However, the amount of attention you have to pay to this third season,
1: you have to pay almost all the attention. Because there's the a attentions. lot going
0: on. It's worth it, though. It's an amazing payoff.
1: Yeah, the payoff is brilliant. I remember even after watching it the first time through, at the end of the third season, I was like, wow, man, this is... Even if they don't conclude it, I was thinking at that time, even if they don't conclude this show, it was still a good way to kind of conclude their way of telling this story. Kind of even leave it a little open to interpretation, too, of course. And the only other thing I'm thinking is that as much as I
0: absolutely love the show and I want to rewatch it, absolutely want to rewatch it, I'm really excited for what we're doing this next week.
1: Yes, and actually for the next few weeks. Yeah, <laughs> we matter. have the next couple
0: of weeks actually lined up. Yeah. Our next few weeks actually lined up, you're right. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, it is, for a lot of reasons for us. I feel like it's going to be almost a little bit of a vacation. After, Compared to what we
1: were just doing. Well, you know, we did three weeks, 39 episodes. Most of our episodes, you know, in comparison to the show's episodes are, I don't know, we, we might get enough content in for two episodes, but we're trying to condense all this information in, in our podcast. It's a lot. To, but the thing is, you're right, I, would, I do want to go back, watch it again. Not right now. <laughs> Not right, right now, now, though.
0: So next week, yes, I guess dude. I'll say, we are doing Saw.
1: Yes. yes. Numero uno. The very first Saw.
0: The one that kicked off this franchise that I think a lot of people thought were going to die back after number two or three. Yeah. Kick- it's still coming.
1: I think it was a part of that time period where there were some of these films that were trying to kick people right in the balls. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like with this content. Ooh, yeah. And it's weird. I mean, we'll talk about it more on soft there. Course. but yeah, It's weird how acceptable the Saw franchise is. Oh, it's super accessible for a lot of people. Uh-huh. In a weird way, too. You're right. Considering its content, yeah.
0: I don't want to delve too deep. Not I, I too can, much. I can talk about that for a while, I think. So we'll save that for the actual episode. But get yourselves ready for that. Next week will be Saw. To listen to that, follow us. SoundCloud, Fried Squirms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn. Tune in, right? Our website is www.friedsquirms.com. We're on the Twitters. At Fried Squirms. The Instagrams fried
1: squirms podcast
0: yeah you can still Facebook.
1: Email. oh yes facebook fried stuff squirms on there.
0: i mean really if you search for fried squirms you're probably going to find us
1: yeah there's i don't think there's too many fried squirms out there
0: outside of us i think we're the fried squirms we are and you're our listeners and we thank
1: you yeah we love you guys if you want to contact us good way to All do that right. with our email uh,
0: squirmcast at com. yeah
1: i mean we, you know, there's various ways you can contact us, but keep it coming. We love the comments, suggestions, yeah, which we're going to take uh, somebody up on, or actually a few people up on here in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, I think we got a few. We're going to at least, one, least for one for sure. At least one, maybe a couple. I've I've had a few suggestions. Yeah, likewise, uh, and which we're would be cool. probably going to get to all of them at some point. But we have other shit that we've been planning too that we're You're also right trying to get that. to. So
1: <laughs> we got a lot of ideas
0: going. Whew. I mean. Man, if I could do this like twice a week, I would. But we don't have that kind of
1: time. Oh, another point I want to make real quick too is the thing I'm going to enjoy about this is it's going to free us up a little bit to watch other horror films. I feel like I enjoyed watching these seasons, but there wasn't a lot of time for me to sneak in a movie or two.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad I finished the book for the same reason. Yeah, as well. dude. Because I felt like all I was ingesting this entire week was Red Dragon, and when I wasn't, we were balls when I was, deep I was, in I was reading hair. about it and I was watching it, and I was very much enjoying it, but. Now is time for me to fucking lose my lunch at the disgustingness
1: of Saw. So. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, man. But like, I say it was a fun run, and I'm looking forward to our next few movies, man. Kicking it off mm-hmm. with Saw. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm already getting excited for the one after too. Dude, it's gonna be a lot I think of fun. You are too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because oh, let's do. This. It's that time of season. Mm, it is the time of the season. All right, we love you all, fried squirms out. out.